We like to work with people maybe well before they decide to actually go to market and exit and give them, whether it be knowledge or tools or ways to think about their businesses, uh, because there's the step of creating something valuable. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. I generally charge $150 or more per hour, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just visit myamazonaudit.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Look forward to speaking to you on your audit. Ladies and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast for six and seven figure Amazon focused sellers. I know e-commerce is supposed to be very multi-channel, but in practice, the people I work with are very Amazon centered. We are talking today to Scott Dietz from Northbound. Scott is an expert in exits for entrepreneurs. That is to say, you sell your business and obviously that's when you make a lot of the money. In fact, a shocking high percentage as we'll be discussing. So Scott, um, warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot, Michael. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's great content. So obviously, you're very experienced in this whole thing. You you guys at Northbound are, as I understand, an investment bank, which I guess the more primitive amongst us might call a broker. So you help people prepare for exit and it's all a developing thing, isn't it? So before we get any further into this, we're going to talk about a 12-part deal killers that you should be avoiding, which I think is really, really important. Before we get into that, Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself and a bit about Northbound. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I started Northbound really because I had my first exit about 20 years ago. It was a software company and I didn't, I tried to do it myself. It didn't go well at all and the deal failed. And then I brought in an advisor and they helped me get more than three times the price that I would have gotten on my own and more importantly, got the actual deal done. And so when that happened, it caused me to realize that, wow, I've got to help other entrepreneurs with this journey. So that was really my genesis into this. And then I found Amazon around 2013. I started up my own Amazon business. So I was a seller for about five years, but quickly realized that I really enjoy the helping part of helping other people define what they want in life, uh, what their business objectives are, and then utilizing the growing of their business and the exiting of their business as a pathway to achieve that. Started Northbound Group and we started doing exits in 2016, believe it or not which has been well before the aggregators came in and those types of things. And it's just been really a joy to build up an organization of people deeply committed to helping other people get and achieve financial uh, freedom so that they can then determine what they want to go do in their lives. At Northbound, we've got just over 25 full-time people. We've done over half a billion dollars in exits. And we really, really are focused solely on the e-commerce aspect of things. That might be e-commerce physical goods, if you're a seller, or it might be the service providers that help those customers. So for example, it was publicly announced, we were the advisory service that helped 
Helium 10 when they exited. So the people that are the services that help the people in the ecosystem. Uh, and to your point about uh, why do we refer to ourselves as uh, an investment bank or an advisory firm? I think the key difference for us is that we see not only the ability to help people with their exit, but as I like to say, help creating an exitable company in the first place. We like to work with people maybe well before they decide to actually go to market and exit and give them, whether it be knowledge or tools or ways to think about their businesses, because there's the step of creating something valuable and then there's the step of exiting. And we really take a lot of enjoyment in doing both of those uh, and not just working on the exit side, but the pathway all the way through toward. And then even after you exit, there's a number of things you want to make sure you're doing right as well. Right. That's a very comprehensive answer. So obviously you've got an incredible amount of experience in the space and interesting that you're also dealing with the service providers, so the, the SaaS businesses, which seems to me to be the next big wave. I'm not seeing a lot of activity at the moment in the acquisition of e-commerce as compared to how it was a couple of years ago with Thrasio and all its imitators. But I'm certainly see, have seen uh, quite a bit of activity recently that I'm personally aware of, although I'm not mm -hmm. specializing in this myself that people are acquiring, so Carbon6 is pretty busy acquiring things, isn't it? It seems to be, and and Helium 10 obviously had a big exit. I know Jungle Scout had a big exit. So yeah, that, that's another area. I guess I'm going to steer away from that. There might be quite a few people mm -hmm. listening who are service providers who'd be very curious about that, but I guess the main focus for us is on the owner operators of the physical product businesses themselves. So focusing in on that, we've got 12 killers that will kill your business deal. I don't know if these are some of the ones you, you made initially, Scott, when you were trying to DIY back in the day. Let's get into these because I think this is more critical for the owner operators to really think about, can I even sell this business and to avoid these mistakes? So tell us these, let's plunge into this list. So the first one, before you go to market, you could be making some bad mistakes as I understand it. What's the first mistake here? Yeah, sure. So you mentioned something I, I always like to start my topics with just to really, really emphasize it, which is that. For most physical goods e-commerce sellers, more than half of the money that they ever put in their own pocket, what I call their me pocket, comes from the exit transaction and not the entire lifetime that they're running the business. And that's because, as everybody knows, you're growing up your inventory. You have to keep buying more inventory, having more in stock. There's also tax advantages when you exit. So I'm always looking at things at after-tax dollars. So I always like to start there because my next question usually, and I'll ask it sort of virtually here for the people on the podcast, is if there's one thing that will give you more than half of the money in your own pocket, I'm talking not about life and enjoyment, but just about the economics of your business, how much of your average week are you spending planning for that event? And when I do it on a webinar and show a show of hands, once everybody understands that 50, 60, 70, or 80% of their money is going to come when they exit, and I ask what percentage of people are spending 5% or more on working toward that exit, generally less than 10% of people's hands go up. Nobody raises their hand. So I always like to start with the fact, the number one thing that you're doing wrong and is a deal killer is that you're not spending enough time thinking strategically about your exit, which means that you're making decisions in a vacuum. It would be like saying if 80% of my cost of goods sold in my business is due to this one thing, but I'm not going to focus on it, that you wouldn't get very far building a product business. It's the same thing uh, when you're thinking about exit. So the, the biggest mistake that I would encourage people, uh, their deal killer is actually not thinking that they can exit and not spending enough time strategically planning 
for that exit. Now, once we get over that hurdle and you say, okay, Scott, I believe you, I'm going to start spending five or maybe 10%, two to four hours a week planning for your exit, you might not know what to do. And we can now talk about the other deal killers of things that you should focus on. But my number one thing I always want to get people over is to recognize that you do have an exit for your business. You're worth something today if you're profitable. That might not be what you want to be. And there's a plan toward getting to the value that you want, much like a thermometer raises its temperature, not a light switch that's an on-off switch. It's about raising up to the valuation that you're looking to. So I'll start with that as the first deal killer. Take any questions or comments before we move on to the next one. I really like that. I think you, if you apply the mentality to the business as a whole entity, as an asset, that you were to individual products, which you think of as assets and you sell for money every day, we're very familiar with that, then you're not going to get far wrong. Exactly like you said, if, if there's something that makes 50% of the cost or of the profit in a product and you ignored it, nobody would do that as an owner operator. So why would you do that for the business as a whole? That, nicely put. I think that's really, really concrete. And so I guess what you're implying is make the time right now yep. to, to plan for exit. <laughs> Okay, which is part of what we're doing at this very moment. We are educating. You're taking, if you're listening to this, you're listening, you're taking the time now. So that's a smart start. So the other deal killers, then hopefully we'll get through all 12. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T dot com. Thank you very much listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. So the next one, and, and some of them are really more when you're actually exiting. So if those maybe come later or something like that, we'll, we'll focus on these ones that are for the bulk of the people that are maybe not quite exiting yet, but want to at some point in the future. So as, as my mentor said to me, the next thing, once you're going to spend the time on it, the next biggest deal killer is thinking from your perspective and not the buyers. And what I mean by that is he always used to say to me, his name was Terry. He would always say, Scott, you keep forgetting. It's not what the seller is selling. It's what the buyer is buying. And that's a fundamentally different way of thinking about the business. Now, when you have your listing on Amazon, the analogy I make is that you always think from the buyer's perspective because you first write a listing and you think about yourself and then it doesn't convert very well. <laughs> and then you recognize that you have to use benefits and you have to use proof that you have to build trust and all of these types of things. So the, 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 the thinking from the buyer's perspective is the key. And, and, and that leads into the next deal killer. So if that's the general concept, is that the second deal killer is thinking from the seller's perspective. Now we move into your fundamental brand and products and niche and category that you select. So oftentimes people will actually select a business model that is not very exitable. And that might be okay if you want to run their lifestyle business. And I'll give you an example of one. I think it'll really make it clear. We had a great seller really smart seller. And all they did was pick profitable products in a whole bunch of different niches and categories. 
and they had them all in one seller central account. And then they wanted to exit that business. So they had really great margins, 25% net margin. And that was after everything, but they didn't have anything organized in the business. And so essentially what their business model was, was pick one-off products that are very profitable, but don't relate to each other. As it turns out, the marketplace doesn't know how to buy that because if a buyer buys that, they literally don't know what to do with it because it's got no place to go but down because all of these products were already ranking in the top three. And the immediate question that you could probably imagine for the buyer was, how do I expand this business? I either have to be as bright as the person who's selling it, which I know that I'm not, or when I buy this business, by definition, it's going to eventually go down because I don't know how to expand it. So they created a really wonderful business model for themselves running a business. They wanted to exit, but they couldn't get a premium exit for their company because they actually designed a business model that wasn't very exitable. And that's one example. So the deal killer is thinking about that. If, if you're going to be in something that's really highly seasonable, that might be harder to exit. If you're going to be in something that has hundreds and hundreds of SKUs with very low volume, that might be harder to exit. And it's not that I want people, if you're in one of those businesses right now and you're listening, don't throw in the towel, but recognize that if you start spending a couple hours a week planning for your exit, what you might come to the conclusion is, is that your business today isn't as exitable as maybe what your second idea might be tomorrow, or if you have two different ideas going at the same time. And what you need to do is think from the buyer's perspective backward and, and recognize that essentially you write the listing of what your ultimate customer would want, which to me is your ultimate customer is the ultimate buyer of your business. And then you work backward and build a company that is very compelling and very used to being bought by businesses that are out there, as opposed to maybe just selecting a bunch of different things that don't make sense and then hoping you can exit. As my brother, who is a great technology strategist, always used to say, uh, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> so, so that's the next deal killer is building and maybe the solution, the, the way to solve it is to research what is sellable and then build a business model and a business strategy that gives you a higher likelihood of exit. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, mean, I did give that very advice to a, a, a client the other week in the 10K Collective Mastermind. I said, look, you're trying to do various things here. So I think in his case, he was wanting to build a direct consumer site, an Amazon-based D2C operation as well, and then some B2B, so wholesaling. I said, I don't know if that's sellable or not. I have no idea. But the right approach to that is go and talk to four business brokers, and I gave him some names. I said, I don't know if they know either, but it makes you think three, five years out, and then look at what have you built? Is that a sellable entity? If so, who is going to buy it? Because not everyone's going to buy something that complex. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to operate <laughs> that, but I would buy the Amazon bit of it. And so am I typical or not? I have no idea. So yeah, looking forwards and then thinking where you want to be and working backwards is sort of goal setting 101, but I think it's really critical. So I like that a lot. It's very good. And your avatar is essentially a buyer. Yeah. It's not just about thinking of yourself and running it as a lifetime, but actually imagine the exit as the end goal. And then think about what a buyer would want to see in a business is a, usually a different frame of mind. You know, I'll give you an example. There's lots of people that talk about all the criteria for selecting products out there, right? Some say small and light. Some say high review counts or high traffic with low review counts. When do you ever hear someone say one of your product selection criteria should be how sellable would this business be to an ultimate buyer? It's much less talked about. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the other things that, that come up a lot are, how do I make sales right now? I'm desperate to launch my product with a bit of manipulation versus how bad is that going to look to the lawyers of my sellers, of my people that buy the business in three years time? And, and people think very short term sometimes, don't they? And I can <laughs> see that. I totally get it. I'm not saying I've always been super clean in the past. I'm not trying to sell those businesses. So I can say that on a, on a podcast, but the point is you got to think about the longer inter- term impact. Yeah, absolutely. One question um, for you, mm-hmm. Scott, you mentioned highly seasonal. My experience of a lot of generally successful and very quickly expanding businesses in the past is that they often are highly seasonal. Is that truly a problem? Is that make it harder to sell or is it just sort of a nice to have to have it a little bit less seasonal? Yeah. So here, here's the way I would describe it. And really when, when I talk about these, we use the word deal killer because there are certain things that are deal killer, but there are also things, most things that are deal killers are, um, have solutions to them. It's the, what kills the deal is not creating the solution to it. I'll give you an example of a highly seasonal business that we exited. It was about a $5 million exit. And what happened was, is that when we first met the business, they were only worth about $750,000 and they couldn't grow because they couldn't stock the inventory to be able to take full advantage of the seasonality. This happened to be holiday seasonalities. So the real thing that we did when they, they engaged with Northbound is we didn't work on trying to create an exitable business or, or an exit right away. We said to them that if you can win on supplier terms, you will have a competitive advantage against everybody in your niche because everybody is highly seasonable. And so what we were able to, we came in and actually Northbound negotiated, renegotiated the supplier terms, and we were able to get 20% paid down. But then the balance of the next 30% wasn't due for four months um, or 120 days um, after the holiday season came in. And then the final payment wasn't due to the following March, 270 days after the order date. And the reason we were able to do that was because we found the supplier recognized that we could all grow together. But here's the important point is that we took a more difficult to sell business, which is seasonable, and we actually solved that problem for the buyer in advance of us going to market. And so for highly seasonable businesses, we all know there's two different challenges. One is, how do I get the capital to a scale up? And two, what if I get my guessing and my planning wrong? How do I deal with that? Well, the reason for that March payment was so that if we over-ordered on inventory through the holiday, we still had January, February, and March. So it was a great example of diving in and working with a client to recognize that we had a part of the business that was going to be, if not unsellable, harder to sell in seasonality. And then you design the solution to it, either having more working capital. Another way to solve it is to have another product that is seasonal in the summer. So now you have a peak season in the winter, you have a peak season in the summer, all going back to your your question was, uh, is a highly seasonable business uh, unsellable? No. Is it harder to sell because inventory planner is harder? Yes. And now if you proactively deal with that and you can actually create competitive advantage, uh, in this instance, we actually uh, we went from within 12 months worth 750000 to a $5 million exit because we were the only ones left standing, so to speak, during the holiday season and sales went through the roof. And then we were able to exit because we took an action with an, a buyer in mind that then solved their problem, which made us more valuable. That That's really the lesson. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And obviously, th- this is similar to the advice I gave to a client a while ago who was having a similar thing with 
holiday season, as you would call it in America or Christmas, as I would call it, even though obviously a lot of people here aren't Christian, but that sort of period. And yes, it's all about capital management. And as you say, what's really smart about your situation is that you engineered it so that you gave yourself some wiggle room so that if everything didn't sell before Christmas, you had a bit of time to sell it. Yeah, (laughs) it's yeah. Ordering the right amount of stuff is kind of a black art, isn't it? Whereas capital management is more concrete. You can say, well, the cash flow can can be spread over time and and that's the biggest constraint to, to growth i think so that's a very very smart generic solution actually i think everyone should try and do what you just said not everyone's going to be able to get those deals from their suppliers but if they can they should always push for it and, and my experience is that if you've got a good relationship you've been ordering for a while you can generally get some kind of deal and that absolutely changes everything so totally which again is a reminder isn't it scott that the competitive advantage isn't necessarily on the front end what helium 10 or jungle scout will tell you it's on the back end the financial arrangements which nobody can actually reverse engineer just by looking at your listing which i was yeah absolutely that's a great that's a great point michael and and as a quick note on that for people out there we always help negotiate suppliers uh, on video calls with suppliers uh, especially if they're overseas even if it's a language barrier have an interpreter because it's harder to say no to a real person across the video you don't get what you don't ask for. And so in this particular situation, we got on the video call. If we had just sent most people, when they renegotiate supplier terms, they'll tell me they've done it. And I said, yeah, I think I know what you did. You, you sent an email asking for better terms. They said no. And you said, bummer. And yeah, that's not a negotiation. (laughs) That's not a negotiation. So folks, Thanks for listening to today's show with Scott Dietz of Northbound. A couple of takeaways. First of all, I think the most important one is this. Don't restrict yourself to not listening to this kind of content and not thinking this sort of issue through just because you have no plans to exit or you don't plan to exit soon. Um, Two things. First of all, as is very clear from everything Scott's been saying, you need to get this stuff done very, very far in advance, preferably from the very inception of your business to be that it's sellable and uh, and ownable by somebody desirable and that brings you to point number two even if you never sell it ever if you take it to your death and then pass it on to your children or just run it your life and then let it die with you either scenario you're going to be owning this business why would you want to own a business bad the things that make a business not sellable are the things that also mean that it's not a good business to own period so i don't think there's anybody um who's in e-commerce or running a business who should not be considering this stuff in my opinion and what better place to start than from the perspective of a buyer? Again, if you, even if you never sell, a buyer's external perspective is a very healthy corrective to that um, operational obsession that rightly everyone has. Of course they have, and it's critical. You've got to think about, is this thing I'm building of value, which is another way of saying sellable. So the basic things we covered today, not planning for the exit. Most of us should be thinking about an exit because in this business model, 50% of the money you ever make will come from the exit. Not thinking from the seller's perspective or, or the buyer's perspective, rather. Um, and then creating a not very valuable business strategy. So just being all over the place, not unified. That's a classic mistake. Um, and then we talked about seasonality as well. It's not so much not having seasonality as solving the problems that come with it. Again, even if you never sell it, that's going to make your business a better one to own. So I 150% endorse the exercise of looking at things from an external perspective and uh, in this case the buyer of a business how they would view your business and then making the necessary changes to make it a desirable business to own 
hope that was useful. Stay tuned for more stuff from Scott in the next episode. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe to the show if you've enjoyed it as well. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.